take your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Psalms, the book of Psalms chapter number 34. <clears throat> all, all over, the, especially the, the Florida, Tennessee, don't, don't too many people do it that, that much anymore, but uh, there used to be a thing about preachers signing Bibles. And uh, somebody signed my Bible a long time ago, Psalm 34, 6, before I ever got saved. And um, I've told you before that my, my life verses, they vary from really what's, what's going on in my life. But uh, for years, it has been Psalm 40, verse 1, down through verse number 3. Uh, but when I sign my signature, a lot of times, whether it's in a letter that I'm sending out or, or if someone ever asks for, you know, to sign a Bible, uh, and I know some of that, that's new. You're like, why would you sign somebody's Bible? What's that all about? That's just an independent Baptist thing. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, but uh, when I sign it, I sign Psalm 34, 6. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Now, that's not my text verse. My text verse is number 8, and I want us to look at it real quick. Uh, but my heart is, it is torn in so many ways. Um, you know, a couple weeks ago on Wednesday night, we dealt with faith. And then this past Sunday, we dealt with salvation by faith. Sunday night, we dealt with the God of our faith. And um, was it Tuesday night? Kind of discussed faith. And uh, Wednesday night, we were dealing with meekness and discussed faith. And uh, throughout this week, as I've tried to study for the services today, faith has been just an overwhelming thing. <laughs> and I've kind of argued with God. And I said, now God, look here. I've done, I've done, we've done taught about faith. We've done talked about faith. We've done preached about faith. And uh, so, and, and I mentioned Sunday night that, that I really believe that all of the studying and all of the talk about faith, the emphasis on that, uh, if it has been for no one else, it has been for me. And uh, as we uh, as we sang this morning, and we talked about faith, and we talked about God, and we talked about the things that God has promised, and we've talked about the things that we can glean through those songs. Man, my heart rejoiced this morning, not because I'm in disobedience to God, but just because God is just concreted the fact that faith is so important and it's so misunderstood and overlooked. And now this morning, I don't think I'm preaching about faith. Now, tonight may be a different story. Uh, but by faith today, I want to try to give you the message that God's laid on my heart. And uh, it's this is a psalm of David, and we're going to go through the first few verses of it in the introduction that may be a little long. Uh, but uh, we'll try to go as quick as we can. But I want to read verse number 8. We've heard it over and over again. And uh, this is the only verse that I want to read this morning in our text. It says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. As I was studying, I began to look, Brother Samuel, at uh, began to kind of ponder the first part of this, and that's usually all we ever hear of this verse. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And just goes to show you kind of how our minds work. I begin to think about the blessings that God has given us, and I begin to look up the phrase, blessed is the man that trusteth. 
And it was in the very verse that I was looking at. And I thought, how silly, how foolish that we take a verse and oftentimes we don't pay attention to the rest of it. Now, this morning I'm going to mention that last part, but I want to focus on old taste and see. If I had a message this morning and I struggled with this because it just sounds weird, but a testimony of taste. A testimony of taste. And, and it'll all hopefully make sense after we get done. But by nature, when an individual has an experience that passes his or her expectations, they want to talk about it. They want to begin to tell about that experience. When we meet that special someone, you, you guys know what I'm talking about. When you met that wife, you met that woman, you started talking about her. Well, ladies, when you met that Mr. Right, if you will, you began to talk about him and you began to tell all your friends about him and this, that, and the other. Uh, when, when we, uh, when we, uh, uh, go on our vacations, I told you several years ago that we went with, with, uh, um, uh, the family down to Panama City and I've never been there. But since then, man, I tell you, man, you gotta go to Panama City. You gotta experience, man, it's wonderful. And I don't, there's probably better places. I don't know, but, but I love that. And so I begin to tell everybody about it. Why well, I talk about cruises. If somebody can talk about getting in their car and going on a cruise across country, my mind don't go on asphalt. My mind goes down to the Bahamas. And I begin to say, hey, you want to go on a cruise? And, and I just, that's just where I go. Because I've taken several and I enjoyed it. Brother, Brother uh, uh, Terry, you're about to go on a cruise, I guess, sometime or another. I don't know. But uh, there's there's something about these experiences. If they pass our expectations, we want to talk about them. Men that go fishing, when you catch that big bass, or when you go hunting and you get that just 30-point buck, and you want to tell everybody about it, there's something that wants to tell. When a man or a woman, when they experience Christ, they are compelled to tell someone or to tell everyone about it. I could remember back in 2006, uh, I, I'd been saved for quite some time. I've been preaching for quite some time. Uh, but I was in Dawsonville, Georgia at Harvest Baptist Church. Brother Mark Beatty was the pastor and we were having a youth meeting. I'd preached that entire weekend. And on that Saturday evening, I remember bowing on the stage in front of a, a, a sound monitor and I began to pray there. And it was at that point that God did something. I can't explain it. Some would say that's where I got filled with the Spirit. Some would say this, that, and the other. I don't exactly know what happened, uh, but I've tried to tell people about it. When they begin to search for the will of God in their life, I go back to that day on April or, or on, in September of 2006. There's something about it. When, when I begin to tell my testimony, I don't tell how other people got saved. I tell what God did for me. When you look in the Scripture, you can see an adulterous woman there in John chapter number 4, a Samaritan, an outcast by nature, but yet she met the Lord and she ran into the city and said, Come see a man. In Matthew, we see that Philip was called to be a fisherman of men and he was called to be a disciple and he went and found Nathaniel and Nathaniel could not understand how something good could come out of Nazareth, and Philip's word to Nathaniel were, come and see. 
And so as we now look a little bit further, we see that Jesus was in Capernaum and Jesus was in a house. And the Bible says that it was noised that Jesus was in the house. When you have an experience with Christ, you want to tell someone or everyone about Him. David here has taken a a deep drink from this cup of God's grace. In verse number 1, he blesses the Lord. In verse number 2, he admits uh, that his only boasting is in the Lord. How we sang about it this morning, about that glory being in the cross. Uh, Then in verse number 3, he lifts up the name of the Lord, but I'm glad that he invites others to join with him in lifting up the Lord. In verse number 4, 5, and 6, he begins his testimony. He says in verse number 6, that I sought the Lord. Uh, The Lord heard me. The Lord delivered me. He said, my fears were turned into light. He said, I cried to the Lord and Jehovah heard me. He saved me out of all my troubles. He then, in verse number, I believe it's verse number 7, he even uh, preaches just a little bit. And he says, if you fear the Lord, you will be delivered. And now he can, he can do nothing more at this point than to tell everyone how that they must taste and see that the Lord is good. And so this morning I'll preach on how this thought of the testimony of taste. And number one, I want us to know how that this is a cheering truth. He says the Lord is Good. I'm glad this morning that if I don't say anything else to anyone else, I can say, and it can be all-encompassing, that the Lord is good. When we sing this morning, cheer, my brother, cheer. Man, alive, it blessed my heart. Because I was sitting over there and I was thinking about things that have happened during this week. And I began to thinking about prayers that I prayed to God this week. And I felt like as though I was seeking in something in my own mind. And some of you may understand, oh, but honey, oh, when y'all begin to sing about cheering up, son, that got a hold of something in my heart. It was as if God the Father, God the Holy Ghost, and God the Son snuck in this place between Nick and myself, and he wrapped his arms around me and said, son, I'll just cheer up. And here we find a cheering, a cheering word, a, a cheering truth. How the Bible says, This is David, and he says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I want us to look quickly how that God manifests His goodness in creation. I want us to see first that He manifests His goodness in creation in the beauty of creation over in Romans chapter number uh, 1, verse number 20. How the Scripture tells us about this creation. He begins uh, in verse number 20. Let me get back over there. He says, For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead. In Psalm chapter Chapter 19, verse number 1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. In chapter 97, verse number 6, The heavens declare His righteousness, and all the people see His glory. I thought about the creation and the beauty of it as we see how the sun set or the sun rise. And I don't understand it. Maybe some some science teacher can can tell about the atmosphere and how it 
it can turn different colors, but it shows the beauty. As you go out and you see the thunder, or rather the clouds roll and those thunderheads come in, how that they're just humongous, but there's something about the beauty of those things. As you see those cirrus clouds, as you see those big cumulus clouds, as you see those clouds that kind of look like feathers, you wonder, what in the world is God doing? Isn't He something? If you've ever been up to the mountains and you see, as you're driving down the road, you look way up yonder and you see the smoke that's, that looks like it's just hovering there. Somewhere below the top. There's something about the creation of God that shows His goodness. If you've ever been down to the ocean, have you ever been down to the lake? There's something within us that seems to draw out the peace of God. And we can sit there and we can enjoy the goodness of God that is shown or is manifest in His creation. Then we, I tell you, just blow this thing all to pieces. We look at the creation of, of man itself and we think about, you know, we got Leah, she's fixing to have a baby here in a few months and we've got others and my niece just had a baby just a few months ago and I can think back to when my children were born and there's something that is, to me, it's magical. I understand that it can be, that it can be explained. I understand that it can be seen through microscopes and through ultrasounds and different things, but there's something about when that seed and that egg comes together, how that God can, I'm about to run out the back door. There's something about how that God can make those things that are seemingly at odds with one another and He can bring them together and they seek out one another and God can make that just a little bitty baby. Can't even see it, Nick. They make you wait until you're what? Eight or nine weeks until they finally look and they say, yeah, see there's a hand, there's a little hand there's the little feet. There's something about the goodness of God in creation. And then you get a little you get a little further along, and you find that the mother's body is changing. And that's only by God. Somebody, if you've ever had a youngin of your own, say Amen right there. Thank God for women, Amen. And the sacrifice, and the sacrifice that they give to give us children, Amen. Listen, once you get a little bit, little get get a little bit further on. You begin to see that that baby, it's not just a little, little alien looking thing. It begins to have eyes and it, and his, and his arms start to grow and fingers and, and then the legs get longer and you can kind of look at an ultrasound and you say, okay, I see what's happening here. It's something about creation. Uh, but then you take that little baby that is swimming around in that, in that sack within the mother's womb and I don't understand how that thing is getting oxygen. I realize that God does something in all that, Eric. How about honey, when that that baby comes out of that mama's womb and it breathes that first, about to run, breathes that first breath of air. Oh, there's something chemically and physiologically and biologically that changes in that baby. Oh, they no longer have to breathe based on what their mother provides them, but they can breathe on their own. God shows His goodness in creation. We find it in the beauty of creation, but then we also find it in the variety of creation. Do you realize that there are over 8.7 million species of life in this world? 8.7 million. I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about those things that you cannot see. I'm talking about bacteria. I'm talking about life. 
I'm talking about the animal world. 8.7 billion, billion species are living today. I'm talking about the variety. But you can go from the microscopic to the largest and you could see the beauty of creation. I've watched where they, they will take a little specimen out of this petri dish and they'll take that thing and they'll, they'll put in on a, on a slide and they'll put a, a microscope on top of that thing and you're like, well, oh, that, that just looks like a piece of walnut, a drop of water to me. But deep down in that thing, you see things moving and growing and, and this attacking this and, and man alive. Goodness gracious God. You remember, we don't read about that in the Bible. We read about Him creating light. We read about him creating the heavens and the earth and this and that. But God created those things that we can't see, that we can't feel, we can't touch, but they are there. That's the variety. You think about that blue whale. It's probably the biggest animal, if I could say it like that, the biggest animal in the world. And that thing can move through the water with such grace. And it can breach and it can come out of the water with such grace. That's the beauty. When you think about those that are here this morning, you have to realize the variety that are in here of God's grace. Isn't it wonderful about the goodness of God being shown in creation? But then, not only that, we see it in the order of creation. Now, I want to make a statement and then get to the main point, but I think in the, in the, I want to say story, but let, 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 in the account of creation, I feel as though it's very interesting to, to understand that man is the last thing created. That man was the last thing created. <clears throat> the reason that's interesting to me, Brother Lee, is I feel like God would say, I'm going to create man first. And so you can look and you could see all of these different things coming out of nowhere. But in, in the back of my mind, I wonder if maybe man would have taken that and ran with it and said, look what I've done. So instead, God created everything and then created man and said, here, you can enjoy it. So that's not the order. I'm not talking about day one he did this, day two he did this. But the order, or rather the the organization of creation. To this day, men are trying to find living things that they never knew exist, or they are finding things that they never knew existed. I was going through a a news report the other day, and it said that they found a new species of some sort of a a lizard, fish, snake-looking thing. I don't even know what it was. Brand new. But I don't know that it's brand new. And I know for sure that it didn't just happen. It was created. And it was created by God. I, I watched a video of this, this weird looking lizard. And it's able to swim. And it can stay, and it's cute. I mean, it's just cute. And I thought, well, you know, it's cute, but what's its purpose? What is its purpose? You think of a clownfish, you know, Nemo. What's its purpose? I have no idea. But God created everything, somebody help me, with a purpose. Listen, here in a couple of weeks, we're going to start experience the absolute most useless creature. Creature. Y'all know what I'm saying? A gnat is coming to town. To, I'm being serious. I do not understand what the 
read what, what purpose in that has. I don't understand it. But there is a purpose. God has an organization of His creation. Listen to this. Not only are men finding living things that they never knew existed, they're finding new evidence of things that once lived. Every day they're finding new evidences of things that once lived. But do you realize we, we give a lot of um, uh, account to Charles Darwin for introducing the the theory of evolution, but do you realize that between, I believe it was 1849 and, and late in the 1700s, that there were 70 men and women that introduced evolution? So if we add him in there, we got 71 men years, hundreds of years ago that began to, to teach this false doctrine of evolution and the reason is to go against the order of God's creation. I read you uh, Romans chapter number 1, verse number 20. If you continue to read, the Bible tells us in some of those later verses that they worship the creature more than the Creator. See, men are against the order of creation. So God manifests His goodness in creation. God manifests His goodness in providence. He is in control. In Job chapter number 38, verse number 4, Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? He's talking to Job. He says, Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof if thou knowest? Who stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for glory, he said, were you there? Or for joy? Verse number 8, Or who shut up the sea with doors when it breaketh forth, forth as if it had issues out of the womb? When I made the cloud, the garment thereof, and thick darkness, a swaddling band for it, and break up for it my decreed place, and set bars and doors, he said, Hitherto shalt thou come, but no further, and here shall thy proud waves be stayed. You see, God shows His goodness, not only in creation, but by His control. You go to the lake, to the river, to the ocean, you'll find the tide going out and coming in. It is God that tells it how far to go. It is God that tells it how far it can come. Everything has an order. Everything is in God's control. It's also presented in God's providence. We see... In Psalm 37, verse number 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Psalm 40, verse number 2, he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my going. Understand today that God manifests his goodness in providence by his control, and by His direction. We also notice that God manifests His goodness in redemption. In Psalm 107, verse number 2, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. 
Who is our enemy? It is Satan. And if you are lost without God, guess whose hand you are in? You are in the hand of the enemy. But thanks be to God for the day that I got saved and God plucked me out of the hand of the enemy and kept me saved, secure for all eternity in His own hand. In Psalm 111, verse number 9, He sent redemption unto His people. He hath commanded His covenant forever. Holy and reverend is His name. One writer, his his last name was Halleck. He says, how good He is to have purchased our redemption at so great a cost in the blood of Christ. You see, even in Calvary, in the plan of redemption, Christ, or God rather, shows His manifest in His redemption. Number two this morning, I want us to see that this is an invaluable blessing. Oh, taste and see that the Lord, He is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. I believe David remembers the blessing of pardon in Psalm 25, verse number 10 and 11. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep His covenant and His testimonies. For Thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is Great. If you look over, I believe it's Psalm 51. I'm wanting to, see, yeah, Psalm 51. I'll not read all of that, but that is where he says, "Purge me in verse seven with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow." He says, "Create in me a clean heart, and renew a right spirit within me, O God. Take not thy holy spirit from me." God. By, by the pen, by the writing, by the words, however you want to say it, of David, he issues this morning for you and I, in 2023, a, a blessing. He gives us this blessing in our, in our mind's eye, this blessing of pardon. He gives us a blessing of peace. We can, we can turn to scriptures and we can talk about that peace that passeth all understanding. But here's what I want to focus on for two minutes. There is a blessing of His presence. If I could say it like this, there is a blessing of His closeness. Now, I, I, I don't know, I don't know of any possible way that I can taste something without being close to it. If I'm going to have a meal, I might be able to smell how good I think it tastes. But Benji, for me to taste it, it's got to be right there in front of me. I got to have a spoon. I got to have a fork. I got to have something to pick it up. It reminds me of the Song of Solomon we preached months ago. The kisses of his mouth. She, she said, kiss me. With the kisses of thy mouth. And that sounds kind of infantile. We think, well, how else are you going to kiss? But she was not, she was not just focusing on the actual kiss. She was focusing on him. Kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, but also the closeness. 
You might be able to blow a kiss across the room, but it's entirely different when you're close to that loved one and they can give you that kiss. David says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. This is a, a blessing at the end of this. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. This, Nick, is a blessing of presence, of closeness. If you get close enough to God, you'll be able to taste Him. You'll be able to test Him, if you will. Number three and last, there, there is an urgent invitation here. This is a language of experience. The psalmist invites because he has enjoyed. Now, if some, I remember, y'all remember Jimmy, Jimmy and Jennifer. I have words. I have a lot of words to say, but I'm trying to focus them. I remember him telling me about his, his, Miss Jennifer's, um, uh, banana pudding. And he began to talk about, yeah, when we first started dating, she started fixing banana pudding. And she fixed banana pudding for this, and she fixed banana pudding. And everywhere that she took that banana pudding, everybody raved over. Well, that's great. But I can't agree with you. Because I've had some good banana pudding before. Until I've tasted it myself. So, he said, alright. I'll have her make you some. So what'd they do? We had a fellowship. She made some. And my hand up. It was good. It was good. And so, now that I've tasted it, I can say by experience that it was good. We, there, there's that one meal that we all enjoy, whatever it may be. Some of y'all like sushi. I, I don't. I don't even know that I think I will like it. I'm not even going to try it. It's not even something I want to entertain. But you, some of you love it because you've tasted it. You've experienced it. It. And you tell about how good that it is. But here's the thing. David here, he has, he has given an urgent invitation. He said, I've tasted of the Lord. Now you need to taste Him. And you too can experience that He is good. But there are still some that, like myself with sushi, says it's not going to happen. There's a lot of folks today, and it's sad to say that there are many in the church that have experienced God. They have experienced the touch of God. But now they're pushing Him away. And they're saying, I don't want that anymore. In churches across the world, this is happening. But a more eternal issue is the fact Several things. One, those that are saying to a world that needs a Savior, taste and see. The world is saying, no thank you. I don't want it. It's not interesting. Well, Jody, here's what's even worse. Many in the church have stopped saying, taste and see. 
Instead, we're like, man, God sure was good today. Nothing wrong with that, is there, Brother Joseph? Nothing wrong with that. But there's no invitation to go along with it. There's no invitation to, to experience that goodness at church. There's no invitation to experience that redemption that we spoke about. There's no invitation to experience the peace and, and the goodness of God because people have stopped. A lot of them have stopped experiencing it. And as a result, they've stopped inviting folks. I, I kind of get tickled. Y'all, y'all just shoot me if you need to. But I get tickled hearing from some people. And they say, man, y'all's camp meeting's the best camp meeting I've ever been in. But yet, when they go back to where they ever supposed to be, they ain't in church. Something ain't jiving right, right there. Do you realize, listen, do y'all realize, and, and y'all, y'all don't get this, I know you don't. Because I've been here long enough to know you don't. Some of y'all are only going to get excited when you have some big preacher come here. Some of y'all are only going to get excited when you have the big singers come. Some of y'all are only going to get excited when we got a house full of people and you're going to shout and you're going to put the paint on and you're going to, you're going to look like, oh, this is the best thing, but then come Sunday morning you're going to stand in here and you're going to sing Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. And you're going to stare at your pastor like he's got three heads. And you're going to be playing on your phone. And you're going to be looking in your Bible. You're going to be doing whatever it takes. Because you don't want to experience it every day that we meet together. You just want to experience it on the big times. The happy times. I appreciate the one amen this morning. Whether Brother Jody believes it or not, I'm taking it. We have got to the point... And, and this is not the direction that I intended this to go. But as a church, we've got to the point where we don't even want to experience the goodness of God. And so we don't invite. And when we do invite, we're very specific on who we invite. Uh-oh. What about over in Romans chapter number 2, verse number 11? For there is no respect of persons with God. But we only, we only want to invite those people that, that wear the right things. And, and we only, we don't want no weird people in here. And I'm kind of the same way. <laughs> there is a threshold of how much weirdness I can take. But if they're, if, if they are a soul, they need to be welcome in this house. David said, Oh, taste and see. There is a urgent invitation. There's the language. He's experienced this. This language is, or this invitation is prompted by love. It is a love for God, but it's also a love for others. But it's also an invitation to participate. The psalmist wants the reader to taste what he has found. Back... Um, I guess it was Stanley's birthday. Pretty sure I got this right. Stanley's birthday. Did you make him a cheesecake? Rachel made Stanley a cheesecake and they ate it during the day. Tuesday, they came to the Lost and Found house. Alright? 
We didn't ask no question. He come in, and he came in raving about how good it was. Brother Bobby, okay. Cut me a slice. Honey, it was gone. He experienced it. And because, because of his desire to share it, he wanted others to participate in it as well. For Nathan's birthday, I don't remember what we ate, but we, Alfredo, praise, hallelujah. Somebody in the house made homemade chicken Alfredo, and it was good. Oh, taste and see that the Alfredo was good. You see, and those are crude illustrations, but they have experienced it, and they could have said, hey, look how good this is. It was so good. And they could have named everything that was good about it and popped the lid back on it and took it home. But what they wanted to do is they wanted, by bringing it to us, by saying, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, they wanted us to open the lid and partake in it. And as a church today, I want to invite you to partake in the goodness of God. Oh, taste and see that the Lord, He is good. Everybody, when they come to my house, I don't know how, I don't know why. You know I love coffee, but most of the time I like coffee with a bunch of stuff in it. Okay? But through the grapevine, people have heard about this. And so, when they come, they're looking around. I've got several different pots and ways to, to, to make coffee. And they begin to say, so, when are you making me some coffee? See, they've heard about it. They've heard that it was good. But now they want to taste. And I want you to know, from my own experience, I cannot speak to any of you, but from my own experience, God has been so good. God has provided for me. He has provided for my family. God has raised us up to places I never thought we'd be in. God has given us possessions that I never thought we would have. God has given us friends and God has given us a church that I never felt worthy of. God has given so much grace and, and He's extended so much mercy and, and His love is literally around every single corner. I can only speak for myself. But I invite you to taste and see that the Lord is good. Father, I love you. And God, I pray today that You would help us, Lord, to be able to taste of Your goodness. God, I ask You this morning that You would give us, Lord, an overwhelming desire, Lord, to, to, to really get in and to really be still and just wait for You to set the table. God, i got to think about Mephibosheth. He was over in the land of no bread. Over in the land of no pasture over there in Lodabar. There's absolutely nothing for him, but God, you sent David by. Lord, you, you told David, just, just go ahead and see if there's one of Saul's house. He found out that there was Mephibosheth, and he brought Mephibosheth to the king's table. And he said, as long as you live, you can eat at my table. And Lord, as the old cliche goes, or the old story goes, God, as, as he was crippled on his feet, but every time he 
wheeled or every time he was pushed up to David's table, he looked like everybody else. They couldn't see his shortcomings. They couldn't see his faults. They couldn't see his failures. But regardless if they could or not, he was eating at the king's table. So, Father, I pray today that you would prepare the table for us today. Lord, show yourself in the way that we can taste and that we can see that you are good. Lord, you were good yesterday and the day before and all the days before that. And God, I, I believe your word that you're unchanging. So God, I realize, Lord, that no matter what happens today or tomorrow, that you're still going to be good. Father, we pray today that you would help your church. Bless us, Lord, to be able to, to taste, to truly see, to experience the goodness of God today. God, give us that, that urgent invitation to be able to share it, to be able to tell others about the goodness of God. God, I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can read books. You can read pamphlets. You can read posts about how sweet a spoonful of honey is. But you'll never know until you taste it yourself. You might be here this morning and you say, you know, I've heard about God showing His goodness like this, and I've heard about this, and I've heard all these different things, but I've never experienced it. You never will, unless you taste it.